This program has been made by the friends and partners of Jennifer LeClaire Ministries. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Wrong thinking. Wrong thinking can stop your breakthrough. Wrong thinking can hinder your breakthrough. The third source, generally speaking, is your stubborn character. Oh, I didn't want to say that. You are all so agreeable until I said that. Sometimes we just have stubborn character issues that we don't want to change. And sometimes God wants us to change something in our lives in order to bring the breakthrough. Effective prayer is prayer that's focused. So we've got to focus ourselves on what the Lord is saying. So you might not, so I don't know if any of you have ever had a pinata at your birthday party. Or maybe your kids have, or you've seen it, right? The pinata, where they hang it, it's all colorful and decorative. They blindfold the child, and they spin them around and around and around. So now the child is is dizzy and disoriented. They give the child a stick, and he begins to... You know, he's swinging wildly, can't seem to figure out what he's trying to hit. And that's what it's like when we pray without discernment. We're just, what Paul said, buffeting the air. We're just swinging our swords. We're not sure what we're swinging it at. We hope we might hit something. We're trying to get the breakthrough. We're trying to break that pinata. But somehow we're not focusing. We're not effective. And so we're missing the mark in our prayer. And that's why we don't get the breakthrough. Somebody say amen. What it's like with the pinata is somebody, you know, sometimes God will allow you, allow the kid. Let me put it to you this way. You ever seen a a pinata at a party and they're hitting it, hitting it, hitting it. It's not breaking open. So finally, after a while, the parents just bust it open for them. That's what God does with us many times. He sees we're trying. He sees we're swinging. He sees we're trying to hit it. We're just not getting it. Sometimes in his sovereignty and in his mercy, he just breaks through for us. But most of the time, amen, we've got to play a part in it. So you might not break through if you're not effective. You might break through, but it'll take you a whole lot longer to break through. See, James 5.16 says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. It avails much. But I like the Amplified Version better, which says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person makes tremendous power available. Not just any kind of power, tremendous power. Not just a trickle of power, tremendous power. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. That's like dynamite power. When you pray the right way, it's like dynamite blasting off. It's like putting some TNT under the devil's backside and blowing him out of your atmosphere. Amen. That is effective prayer. Effective prayer is prayer that brings breakthrough results. So you've got to pray effectively. And that means discernment. There's always going to be resistance to your breakthrough. And it comes most of the time from one of three sources. Generally speaking, it comes from one of three sources. Number one, a demon power. 
And we love to blame everything on the devil, don't we? We love to talk about how the devil's gone to meddling. We love to talk about how the enemy is resisting us, and we love to get mad with the devil. And you know, there's times to do that. There's times to put your foot down and say, no, Moss devil, I see you. I'm coming after you. You're going to have to bow in the name of Jesus. You cannot resist the almighty God on the inside of me, but it's not always the devil. Here they come. Decided to come in, did you? Amen. Right on time. The other kind is wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. Wrong thinking can stop your breakthrough. Wrong thinking can hinder your breakthrough. The third source, generally speaking, is your stubborn character. Oh, I didn't want to say that. You are all so agreeable until I said that. Sometimes we just have stubborn character issues that we don't want to change. And sometimes God wants us to change something in our lives in order to bring the breakthrough. Sometimes he won't let you break through into certain things until you break through that stubborn flesh. Oh, karabashi. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you stubborn? In the first service, one man turned to his wife and said, you're stubborn. I said, no, that's not what I said. Are you stubborn? Are you stubborn? So let's talk about some of the obstacles to your breakthrough today, now that we're all seated. The first obstacle is the obstacle of little faith. The obstacle of little faith. Now, the Bible speaks of two different kinds of faith, great faith and little faith. And little faith, you know, the Bible says if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you can speak to a mountain, it'll move. So you don't have to have, little faith is not, it's not that there's a little, it is that you've got to have pure faith. Because faith that's mixed with doubt is what I call hybrid faith. And we don't want that. We need pure faith, even if it's little. But what Jesus meant there is that it was, well, let me just let you, let me just let you put it, let me put it the way that he puts it. Matthew 17, 14. Because sometimes you can't fight the devil because you lack the faith to stand on the promise of God. You can't fight the devil because you lack the faith to stand on the promise of God. We fight the good fight of faith. And sometimes we're really fighting to believe God. That's what the good fight of faith is. Ultimately, spiritual warfare is just having the the bulldog tenacity and the faith to stand on the promises of God when all hell seems to be breaking loose against you, trying to convince you that God didn't say that, or this is not for you, or this is not for today. Spiritual warfare is simply standing and withstanding the onslaught against your mind most of the time. Thank you for your help, Deborah. I knew I could count on you. There's so many distractions in here today. God's going to settle you down. Matthew 17, 14. And when Jesus had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Can you imagine? These were people who received an impartation. These were people that were equipped to do the work of God, but they couldn't deal with this devil. Why? 
Why could they should have been able to deal with it? God sent the disciples out two by two. He sent the 70 out and he gave them power over all the power of the devil. He gave them power to, 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 to cast out unclean spirits. They came back to him rejoicing because the demons were subject to them. It wasn't as if his disciples weren't trained. They weren't, it, they weren't unequipped. It wasn't as if they didn't have an anointing to do it, but they couldn't deal with this. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said, Oh, you poor babies, I just didn't do enough good a job training you. No, he said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Can you imagine if Jesus said that to you? You can't cast out a devil. You faithless and perverse generation. And God is good, but you know, some, you know, God doesn't like it when we don't believe him. He loves us, but he doesn't like it when we don't have faith. Because he's given us everything. He's given us his, his name, his word, his blood. He's given us everything, every spiritual blessing. He's given us everything. And he doesn't like when we don't believe him. That was the sin that the Israelites experienced or demonstrated in the wilderness. It was the hardness of their heart. They just would not believe him. They just would not trust him. So they stayed in that wilderness place. Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. I like that part. And, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. What kind doesn't go out? Not the kind of devil, the kind of unbelief. People always want to know, what is that? It's the unbelief. You've got to pray to get that unbelief out of you because the enemy comes with a barrage. He comes to attack your faith. I used to have a spirit of unbelief. When I first got born again, I don't even know how I got born again. I guess God gave me the measure of faith, but I, I had a spirit of unbelief. And the pastor said to me, you've got a spirit of unbelief. And I didn't believe her. <laughs> I said, how is that? I said, how is that possible? She have a spirit of unbelief, and I really didn't believe it. But then I remembered when I was first born again, a friend of mine had a dream. And in the dream, she saw me standing on a rock, which is good. The rock is Jesus. I was standing on the rock. I was standing on Jesus. But she said, I was standing on the rock, and I was looking around because I wasn't quite sure if the rock was going to float off into the ocean. And that's how I was when I first got saved. I wasn't yet shored up in my faith. But if you've been walking with the Lord, come on now. If you've been walking with the Lord for 10, 15, 20 years, you got to learn. You've got to be able to stand and withstand. You've got to be able to stay secure in the promises of God and combat that unbelief. Somebody say amen. amen. Comes out by prayer and fasting. So we've got to develop great faith. The centurion, he had a servant who was sick. He went over to Jesus and he said, Jesus, you know, my, my servant is sick. You know, will you heal him? He said, I'll come to your house. I'll come over there right away to where he is. He said, no, don't worry about it. He said, speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. And Jesus was marveled. The Bible says Jesus marveled. I would love if Jesus marveled at what I did. Wouldn't that be cool? Jesus marveled. 
And he said, what great faith you have. I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. This was a Gentile, and he was demonstrating greater faith than people of the covenant. And I look around in the world today, and sometimes I think that unbelievers believe more than the believers believe. Not in Jesus, but they have a better attitude. They have joy in trials. I'm like, where are you getting this from? They don't even believe God. And I watch believers go through warfare and trials, and they're like, eh. It's like you have the light of the world on the inside of you. The spirit that raised Christ dwells on the inside of you. You are the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You've got a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, lives in the inside. So we've got to be able to stand firm on the promise of God, having great faith that when God speaks the word, he's already spoken it, that we're going to believe it. Whatever is not of faith is sin. So when we let the obstacle move our faith, we can't move the obstacle. I said, when we let the op, we let it, when we let it, when we let it, devil can't move you off your faith. If you don't let him, he can try, but if you, you have to let him, you have to choose to take the bait. You have to choose to take the thought. You have to choose not to cast down the vain imagination. You've got to choose. You have a choice every day, all day long. You can believe what God's word says, or you can believe what the devil's telling you, what people are telling you. It's your choice. You have a free will. How can two walk together unless they're agreed? If you want to walk into your breakthrough, beloved, you've got to walk with God. If you want to walk with God, you've got to walk in his word. Amen. You've got to believe what he said. You've got to believe it. Somebody say amen. amen. We live in a digital era in which we can have friends all over the globe. Yet true, deep, personal connections are hard to come by in a busy world. And finding a church that offers prophetic revelation and practical keys to overcome the enemy's plans for your life can be difficult in a seeker-friendly church world. Enter ahop.online, an outreach of Awakening House of Prayer. We're a global community of believers passionately pursuing God's presence. We're a prophetic church where the Holy Spirit moves. We empower you to live a supernatural breakthrough lifestyle. Get connected and make true connections in the Awakening House of Prayer global family. If you can't come to our church in Florida, come to our church online. The unseen realm of the spirit is more real than what we experience with our five natural senses. Just beyond the veil of what the natural eyes can see, hosts of angels and demons are actively working. The Bible says that all Christians have been brought into this dimension through Jesus Christ. Many people who see in the spirit often don't know what they're seeing or understand the dimensions of spiritual sight. But this landmark book, The Seer Dimensions, will help you unlock these mysteries. Written by best-selling author Jennifer LeClaire, this book will help you tap in to the seer dimensions. You'll discern what is from God and what is demonic. You'll interpret the activity you're seeing in the spirit. You'll tap into what God is doing in and through you and manifest breakthroughs for yourself and others. Seer dimensions will impart useful information, practical instruction, 
biblical application, and powerful prayers for operating in the spiritual world. Pick up your copy of The Seer Dimensions wherever books are sold. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith also comes by praying in the spirit, building up your most holy faith. Of course, we know that faith expands like a muscle when we use it. I'm expecting my legs to be much stronger next week because I missed three weeks at the gym. I went and did the kickboxing, pop, pop, and the guy was relentless. Come on, push, push. I'm like, I walked out of there. My legs were wobbling. You know, and, and since Tuesday, I can't sit down without going, oh, sometimes when you exercise your faith, you, you don't know, you, you feel like you're being stretched. You feel like you don't know if you're going to be able to, to hold this shield up anymore, but that's how your faith gets stronger is by using it. And so we've got to continue to extend our faith in this season to believe God for things that we never had the capacity to believe him before. In other words, if you could believe God, see, I remember when I used to believe God for just enough money to pay my bills. I believed God for enough money to pay my bills, but then I started believing God to get paid a dollar a word. I was a journalist. And, and, and there were people that were getting paid a dollar a word. I said, people getting paid a dollar a word. I said, I, I want to get paid. A, so instead of believing to get, to get paid 25 cents a word, which is what I was getting paid at the time, you might think that's a lot of money, but it doesn't add up to much. I was getting paid 25 cents a word, and I decided to extend my faith to get paid a dollar. Now, you get paid a dollar a word, that changes everything. And I extended my faith, and pretty soon, within six months, I just kept believing God for that. Why? For provision for my family, for provision for the kingdom. It had a purpose. And I started earning a dollar a word, $2 a word, $5 a word. Amen. Some people are like, gosh, why did you quit and be a pastor? I don't know sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> because I love the Lord. It's not about money. Anything you do for money has you. You don't have it. So, Father, we break unbelief right now in Jesus' name. We break that voice. We shun the voice of unbelief in the name of Jesus. We come against it with the sword of the Spirit. God, we swing the sword of the Spirit against whatever unbelief has attached itself to our life in any area. And we say, Lord, forgive us for not believing you and help our unbelief, God. Help us to stand strong in faith even when everything looks upside down, God. Help us to believe you. Help us to walk by faith and not by sight for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. The next problem we have is when we fight in our own strength. Now, you strong spiritual warriors out there will have a tendency to want to fight in your own strength because you've got strong spiritual warfare skills. You know how to fight. But there's a difference between fighting in the faith and fighting in the flesh. In other words, sometimes we get so caught up in the heat of the moment that we lift up our shield of faith instead of, we lift up our shield of flesh instead of lifting up our shield of faith. And when we begin to fight in the flesh, we see some ungodly things happen. Remember, your flesh is actually at enmity with God. You can't go toe to toe with the devil in your flesh. It's not going to happen. So what happens is we start using carnal weapons. 
But the Bible says the weapons of our warfare, well, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Our weapons are not carnal. Our weapons are spiritual. But when we begin to fight in the flesh, we sometimes start to manipulate things. We try to help God out a little bit. Or we try to control things. Because we don't know any other way to get it done. When we're fighting uh, in the flesh, sometimes we start dropping what I call blame bombs on people. We look around at the people that surround us and we say, well, it's your fault. Because if you would just do what you're supposed to do, I wouldn't be having this measure. How about this? If you wouldn't spend all that money on, come on, married couples. If you didn't buy all those things, I told you we didn't need those things. And you begin to, when it's really the devil devouring your finances. We have to stop pointing fingers at each other and point fingers sometimes at ourselves and sometimes at the devil. But pointing fingers at each other is never profitable. When we're fighting in the flesh, we've stopped acknowledging God, who is the one who leads us into victory. And then we grow weary. When, you, when you're fighting in the flesh, a sign you're fighting in the flesh is because you just get worn out. You're just weary. You don't want to do it anymore. You just want to throw up the white flag and say, I surrender. But the problem is there is no surrender in the spiritual war. Satan is not going to stop fighting you. There's only surrender to God. And if you'll surrender to God, you will not fight in the flesh and you'll have far more success. When we fight in the flesh, we experience emotional turbulence, such as fear, anger, all these things that come to our minds, despair, depression, over the attack of the enemy. David got a breakthrough for all Israel, but he didn't do it in his flesh. He couldn't. He was a ruddy boy. He was like 17 years old. He was no match in the flesh for the giant. And that is a great picture because we're really in and of ourselves. We are no match for the devil. Only in Christ are we a match for him. Because he is all-powerful. But he see, we see here in 1 Samuel uh, 17, 45, David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin. In other words, you come to me with carnal weapons. You come to me with earthly tactics. But David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. See, David trusted in the name of the Lord. David understood that he had a covenant with God and the enemy had no right no rhyme or no reason and he ran to the battle line and he slew the giant the bible says in Zechariah 4 6 not by might not by power but by my spirit says the lord if we're going to win we've got to do it god's way whatever victory we think we win in the flesh we will not be able to sustain it because we cannot keep up that level of intentionality we can't whatever we start in the flesh we've got to keep doing in the flesh the bible says whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. If it's not born of the spirit, honey, it's not going to last. It can't. You cannot sustain the things of the spirit with the flesh. Paul said to the Galatians, are you foolish? Who's bewitched you? You think you can continue this life? You started in the spirit. You were born again. That's a spiritual work. You think you can walk out your salvation in the flesh? No, you've got to do it by the grace of God. You've got to do it with the enablement of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. When he is, when you are weak, he is strong. He's your strong tower. He's your refuge. He's your strength. 
So, Father, we repent for any way in which we have taken matters into our own hands. We repent, God, for fighting and warring in the flesh, pointing fingers at other people, not being willing to look at our part in the situation, God. We ask you to forgive us for fighting in our own strength and even for taking pride in our spiritual warfare skills. Leaving you out of the equation, rushing to the battle line without a word, taking on battles that are not our own. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us and cause us to be more sensitive to your spirit so we won't do it again. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes your obstacle to your breakthrough is your own pride. And pride is dangerous because it causes you to stumble over yourself. Pride is very dangerous and the worst kind of pride is spiritual pride. You know, it's been said that pride is like bad breath. Everybody knows you have it except you. Don't look at your neighbors. Don't look at your neighbors. It's true. It's true. But pride is bad, 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 bad. Proverbs 11.2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Wow. Proverbs 29, 23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. See, God actually, look, James 4, 6, he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Sometimes you think you're fighting the devil, but you're actually fighting God. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Sometimes you, you're just fighting with everything in you. Could it be possible that there's a pride issue and you don't see it? It would be prideful for you to not consider whether that's the issue, wouldn't it? So some of you, I saw some of you there, ah, I don't have any pride. Okay. Let's just move on then. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, pride will prevent your breakthrough. It really will because God himself is opposing you. And sometimes God won't let you break through a thing or ascend to a place because his word says pride comes before destruction. He won't let you go there. With that in your heart, an obstacle to your breakthrough is fear, particularly fear of the enemy. See, if you're afraid to run, the Lord told me this morning, if you're afraid to run to the battle line, you forfeit your breakthrough. If you're afraid to run to the battle line, you will forfeit your breakthrough. You've got to be willing to go. You know, there was a story in the Bible where, you know, God told Jehoshaphat, you won't have to fight this battle. Gather your troops, prepare to fight, but you won't have to fight this battle. We always have to be willing and ready to fight. Sometimes God won't actually make us fight. Sometimes our only part of the fight is to learn how to be still and know that he's God. Sometimes our only part of the fight is just to trust him in the waiting. But how many of you know that's still a fight? That's still a fight with your flesh. It's still a fight with your soul to wait on him for that breakthrough, to not get in the flesh and start trying to manipulate things to your advantage. Maybe you're afraid of the devil because last time you pushed into your breakthrough, you were hit back.
You may think you know me, but most people never see me for what I really am. I love power, but I fooled you into thinking I'm only about control and manipulation. My deception runs far deeper. You don't recognize me, but I'm subtly seducing you away from your first love with my doctrine. Yes, my abilities to persuade, seduce, control, and manipulate thrill me. But my biggest thrill is never getting caught. My name is Jezebel, and I've been at this for a very long time. It's time to take the mask off the real Jezebel. Pick up the Spiritual Warrior's Guide to Defeating Jezebel, a new book by leading prophetic voice, Jennifer LeClaire, wherever books are sold. Hey guys, Jennifer LeClaire here. I'm coming to you with an exciting opportunity to partner with me as I advance the kingdom of God around the world. As many of you know, I am doing a daily prayer call that's reaching millions of people, millions and millions of people a year, but I'm also planting houses of prayers, prayer hubs, apostolic centers, and of course, raising up prophets and prophetic people. But I'm also sowing, sowing, sowing. Jennifer LeClaire Ministries sows back into at least 15 other ministries that are touching the sex trafficking industry. They're touching digging wells in Africa. They're helping uh, drug addicts rehabilitate and so, so much more. I need your partnership. When you partner with Jennifer LeClaire Ministries, whether you're in Europe, Asia, Africa, Australia, here in the US, wherever you are in the world, you are helping to open a door for me to come to your nation. You are helping feed hungry people. You are helping the gospel be preached. You are helping media projects flow forth. You are helping, you are sowing, and you will reap a harvest. Listen, you cannot outgive God. I can't do what I do without faithful supporters like you. You know, Billy Graham used to say that the janitor who cleaned the bathrooms would receive the same reward as he did for standing on a platform and preaching the gospel. When you sow into our ministry, you receive a reward. I want to invite you to become an official partner. You'll receive a monthly partner resource, special seating at my events, and so much more. The most important thing is you're being partakers of advancing the kingdom of God, especially if you're a prophetic person, if you're mission-minded, if you're apostolically focused, support. So pray. Amen. God is good and he is doing so much more than any one of us can do alone, but together we can do a lot. We can make an impact. We can have influence on a lost and dying world. It's time. It's time to rise up and go further. I'm asking you, become a partner today.